The following is a pre recorded show. Welcome to Winning in Retirement with your host, Brian Akers, certified financial planner professional and founder of Akers Financial Group. Now, helping you win in your retirement, here's Brian Akers. Good morning. I'm Brian Akers from Akers Financial Group. I'm a certified financial planner practitioner, I'm founder and president of Acres Financial Group, and we welcome you to our show this morning. Today's show is the 2023 Investment Outlook, and we are having our guest, Mark DiOrio, a Chief Investment Officer from Brookstone Capital Management, here with us today. Good morning, Mark DiOrio. Good morning, Brian. Happy to be here. Uh, Happy New Year to you, 2023, getting started. Um, I'm glad you're able to to greet us this morning and to cover um, the market um, the investment outlook for this year. I think it's a great time to have you here. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and um, a little bit about the company, Brookstone Capital Management. Yeah, definitely. Well, Brookstone Capital Management is a national registered investment advisor, and we partner with like-minded adv- advisors throughout the country. And so we are truly independent. Uh, and by that, I mean, we don't have other affiliations and, and so forth, um, but we are a dedicated investment advisor and we provide our services through those advisors. So we don't, generally don't go direct to the, uh, to the public per se. And we run an investment platform and we manage about uh, in excess of $8 billion under management. And we have a number of different strategies in that investment platform. And then each of the advisors, such as yourself, Brian, and I know you're one of our largest advisors, um, determine what's the appropriate investments for individual clients to help them achieve their goals. And oftentimes the goal is to get you to your goal while taking the least amount of risk possible. Uh, and then as for myself, I'm the chief investment officer. I've been there for about eight years now. Uh, prior to that, I was a chief investment officer for seven years for uh, 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 a boutique investment uh, management firm. And then prior to that, for about 12 years, I had a couple of different positions as you usually start the industry in investment research, and then you move up to portfolio management where you're making the individual security selections and those calls. But really, if I was to bookmark a lot of my career, it really had to do with one innovation in investment vehicles that have proliferated really since the year 2000. And then number two, managing through crisis phases. And if you think through from starting around that 2000 period, I was in the uh, business in the late 90s, you had, well, you had the 2000, 2002, big bear market, tech rack and so forth. And then you you just moved on and skipped over to the global financial crisis in kind of late 2007 to early 2009. Uh, And then we fast forward to uh, the most recent cycle, you have a uh, pandemic, COVID, <laughs> shutdown, and now, of course, we have a very challenging inflation outbreak that we haven't seen in 40 years in uh, 2022. So really, it's about managing through crisis. And I would say, so I've had some experience uh, definitely going through those those periods, managing money um, at those times, and then also being there to be able to recover and have some good days ahead. Yeah, I, I like to think back on the past and remember how we handled those things, and really think about um, the right positioning that that was that we did to help the portfolios make money over the long term, and to help the clients um, live those retirement years and win in their retirement years. Now, on our show today, what we're doing is a show called 
2023 investment outlook. But as we start, I'm looking forward. We need to do. We need to look back at 2022. So I thought maybe you could give us a little rundown of 2022 and your thoughts on the markets and everything that happened last year. Well, I'm definitely glad we're turning the calendar to 2023 yeah. and closing 2022 because really it was a very tough year for investors, whether you were a conservative investor, a balanced or moderate investor, or an aggressive investor. The typical advice is to own a combination of stocks and bonds consistent with your risk profile. And then from there, we add a number of different alternatives or diversifying asset classes, whether you want to augment income or you want a little bit more protection on the downside and so forth. But either way, the S&P 500 ended the year down about 19%, so almost 20% decline in stocks. And mid-year, uh, stocks were down about 25% from their high. And so the typical definition is if you have a pullback from a recent high from zero to 10%, that's called a pullback from a negative 10 to a negative 20%. Uh, professionals would call that a market correction. And then greater than 20% decline from a high, that would be considered a bear market. So we definitely experienced a bear market in 2022. Um, but that wasn't the, that wasn't that strange. The average decline in any given year is about 14%. So almost in that correction phase, and you don't get that every year. Some years, the market just drops a little bit, uh, you know, from uh, here to there. Uh, it doesn't really get that kind of a, 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 a correction. But stocks do go into bear markets. We plan for it. We quantify the data when we look at it. And that helps to determine how much equities you would assume in your portfolio. What was strange and what was particularly challenging for investors in 2022 was the decline in bonds. Bonds had their first double-digit decline since we really started keeping bond records officially. Uh, the bo aggregate bond index was down for the year 13%. And it was down uh, almost... 17% mid-year. So you had a double-digit decline in bonds as well, what most people consider and what most professionals have considered and the academic literature would consider conservative investments. So even those investors invested in bonds really got hurt as well or really saw that decline as well. And so what, what in, in a nutshell, this was the first year in the last 100 years where both stocks and the bonds, decline, bonds declined double digits in the same year. So typically bonds will hold up pretty well uh, when stocks are declining because investors seek safety and so forth. So this was a, a nowhere to hide type of market year. Right. So one of the things we've been covering on our show for many years is the fact that target date funds um, allocate stocks and bonds and then they try to reduce risk by buying a bond, by buying bonds. And we were trying to say that in the future when rates start to go up, this would happen. And then this raising of interest rates last year by the Fed uh, really caused bonds to lose money. Um, now, the Fed has a lot of pressure last year. Um, can you explain what happened last year? So the Federal Reserve, which is the central bank of the United States, is charged with conducting monetary policy. So that's a body that raises and lowers interest rates, technically the Fed funds rate, which is the overnight rate that banks lend to each other. And what they try to do is they decrease interest rates when they want to stimulate the economy. And they increase interest rates if they want to slow down the economy. In particular, for 2022, if they want to slow down inflation. And last year, we had a big outbreak that just didn't, uh, just didn't contain itself in the inflation numbers. So inflation is a general rise in prices. And so we had this 
really big jump in inflation levels and in, uh, um, growth in inflation. And so the Federal Reserve came out and said, we're going to raise interest rates. Uh, and they ultimately did it, which surprised markets and why markets were so more challenging than I think uh, would have, uh, most investors would have thought going into 2022 was they raised interest rates at the fastest pace in 40 years. So that tells you how aggressive they were. And that's what took the market by surprise. And so I think the markets really pulled forward a lot of adjustment in a short amount of time because the Federal Reserve was so aggressive trying to get a, a handle on inflation and cutting that off. So by raising interest rates, they're trying to slow down um, the economy uh, and slow down really that growth in, in inflation. Uh, honestly, did it work in 2022? In 2022, not until we didn't see kind of glimmers of light uh, until really the, the very end of 2022. So they had to keep raising them in their, in their uh, approach based on not having enough data to confirm that they had kind of uh, their policies were yet working. And now there's a delay from when they start to make a policy move to when it's seen in the economy. But financial markets are, will move quicker and quickly. So where the economy didn't go into a recession last year, the markets kind of acted like, well, you have an inflation problem, you raise interest rates, you slow the economy, we go into a recession. Uh, and the market sold off like that was a done deal. But we didn't get a recession. And at the tail end, uh, we started to see inflation come down. And the first uh, part of this year, 2023, we've had confirmation that inflation, which is the rate of change, so it doesn't necessarily mean prices are declining, uh, it just means that uh, the growth in that number is declining. Yeah. So when I see the interest rates being raised and I see the inflation and everything that happened last year, I have to think that the over overriding problem has been this pandemic and the slow recovery out of it and supply and demand issues. Is that is that over? Is that more inflationary pressure than the government was um, expecting? Yes, definitely. So I would agree with you. A lot of times there's talk about, well, too much money ch chasing too few goods. And so it's an issue just of monetary policy or how much money is out of the system and interest rates causing inflation. Well, in fact, uh, the data would, would argue against that in the sense that, well, when you had very low interest rates, we weren't really getting inflation until this post-COVID era. And the difference in this post-COVID era was you had a, a global shutdown and then kind of an instantaneous reopen and you didn't allow supply chains or there wasn't time for supply chains to get back into alignment. And that just takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. You have some dislocation in the jobs market. And so everyone's trying to get kind of uh, cobble this together, given the fact that you're kind of in the, the fog of the situation and what government policies could change and, and, and kind of uh, businesses have to adjust to. So I think you're very, very, correct in saying we're in a post COVID uh, policy world where in, during the COVID era, let's say that's uh, 2020 to uh, 2021, where they had very stimulative policies, interest rates were dropped very low. They put money into the system to really get us through the jobs dislocation uh, poor, uh, part of the, the cycle and part of the challenge. And now they're kind of facing that. Well, maybe we did ultimately put too much money in the system and it got too hot. So now we have to take that out of the system. And so now we're seeing the reverse of the policies uh, that were put in place in 2021. 
to try to uh, get to an equilibrium level. Absolutely. Uh, this this review of 2022 gets me a little uh, little worked up, but glad we're through that and we're beginning in 2023. Now, Acres Financial Group, we're local, we're independent. We don't report to a big company on Wall Street. We report to you. We have offices in Lutherville and Farstow and clients all around the country, uh, even a few around the world. It's so easy to begin winning in retirement. You just give us a call for a free consultation with one of our team of advisors. Call 833-WIN-RETIRE. That's 833-W-I-N-R-E-T-I-R-E. We'll give you a call on Monday to schedule your free in-person or Zoom meeting. Go to acresfinancialgroup.com or give us a call at 833-946-7384 to start planning for your retirement now. Jerry Seinfeld says, keep your head up in failure, your head down in success. How should we keep our head in 2023? We'll explain in just two minutes. You're listening to a pre-recorded show. Welcome back to Winning in Retirement. Call 833-WIN-RETIRE now to schedule a visit with Brian and his team and begin winning in retirement. Once again, here's Brian Akers. Welcome back to Winning in Retirement. I'm your host, Brian Akers from Akers Financial Group. Acres Financial Group, we seek to work with clients one client at a time, where we sit down, talk about your situation, and then we implement, implement that situation throughout our relationship time, throughout your retirement years, and you know, all those years where we have to invest the money based on your purpose, your interests, your goals. And that's why we have portfolio management and styles of investing that tie to that exact person, and we bring in companies like Brookstone Capital Management to provide some of these investment services. And one of the things we have today is we have the Chief Investment Officer of Brookstone Capital Management here on our show. Now, this show is called the 2023 Investment Outlook, and that's what we're going to be talking to Mark Dorio about as we begin the second quarter of Winning in Retirement. Now, Mark Dorio, welcome back second quarter. I'm ready for 2Q. All right. Now, what do you think of my Jerry Seinfeld quote? Jerry Seinfeld says, keep your head up in failure, your head down in success. Um, um, how should we keep our head for 2023? What do you think? Well, I think it's easy to have your head down given the, the, the news flow and kind of the feel of down markets and maybe a, uh, maybe a dollar economic outlook. However, I, I, I don't think that's right. I think Seinfeld's quote is correct and say you should keep your head up. Because around the corner could be some positive surprises when you find out that things aren't as bad. And so for the markets, sometimes uh, if news isn't as bad as it may have been expected to be, that's all you need to kind of turn the situation around. But if you look at market history, I mentioned in the last segment, this is only the, this is the first time in the last 100 years yeah, where that. both <laughs> stocks, yeah, where both stocks and bonds uh, declined double digits in the same year. But if you look at that uh, history where in years where they both declined in the same year, the next year's return was uh, for stocks was 17% and for bonds, it was 7%. So I think there's reason to believe that, okay, now we have a little bit of history on our side. Well, is there reason to think that there could be some positive surprises? And as we ended the last segment talking about inflation, there has been some inflation Good news on the inflation front, meaning inflation is coming down. So you're seeing some easing in those inflation numbers. And I think that's going to continue throughout the year. When we look at some of the anomalies that occurred during the inflation kind of outbreak were uh, used car prices were selling. A one-year used car was going for the same price as a new car. Well, that's an anomaly. That's a supply chain issue. That's just a 
supply demand mismatch, but that's going to ultimately go away. You've had uh, shipping costs come down. You've had supplies actually go from undersupplied to oversupplied at stores, which is going to see you. So you'll see some sales and things like that as they work off inventory. So those pressures, and there's a number of the, uh, other of these positive glimmers of hope on the inflation front, and we continue to get kind of these lower inflation readings, which is really that start to, okay, maybe the, uh, the Federal Reserve can stop increasing interest rates and allow the system to adjust uh, normally. And uh, I would point to oil as being a, a good one that everyone looks at. Uh, oil is, uh, has actually come back down and it's trading, trading really close to its 20 year average in price, uh, between 70 and $80 a, a barrel. So we're right, we're close to that after that, uh, kind of big run up early in 2022. And part of that was geopolitical risks. And those of course have not gone away. Um, but what's important for the inflation number is that on the oil front, the six month rate of change is a negative 24%. So that will flow through into the inflation numbers and actually have a negative impact on inflation. And that's not the only commodity. There's a number of other commodities that look similar where they had this big run up, but have since come down. And so the, so if you're looking backwards for the inflation data, uh, I think you'd, uh, it would be behoove yourself to look forward and what's happened really since those peak numbers and it's gone in the opposite direction. So we, I think we're going to get some positive news on the inflation front, while at the same time, we haven't had that much negative news on the employment front. Unemployment still is at uh, 50-year lows. And so if unemployment stays steady here, the, the, the economy may be able to handle these higher rates uh, and kind of avoid a recession here. And so maybe uh, you get two surprises. One, inflation comes down. And two, the economy holds up without going into uh, recession. Uh, absolutely. Now, when, when I'm hearing you talk about all those aspects of the of the economy, of the of the oil, the pricing, and the averages, and where we're heading, uh, one of my first thought is um, the government itself, the government with a split Congress. How is that going to affect the policies that would actually help? with a recovery from this point, or will this hinder a, a recovery from this point? Well, I think what's really important and something we look at is called cycle research, maybe the business cycle, economic cycle, and so forth. But what has really come into line, uh, uh, line up really well in the last 50 years is the presidential cycle lines up with the business cycle and the market cycle in that the third year of the presidential cycle, this is regardless of uh, who holds the office, the third year is actually the best year for markets out of the four-year presidential cycle. And so I think the Federal Reserve was very conscious of uh, really being aggressive in 2022 so they can lighten up and kind of get out of the headlines <laughs> as they move into the third year and then ultimately the fourth year, the election year, the presidential cycle. Mm -hmm. So I think they've uh, been aggressive and front-loaded interest rates, kind of front-loaded the pain, and now are, are moving back and allowing uh, policies, kind of the parties to duke it out. But I think the markets have adjusted in anticipation um, uh, and reaction to that front-loading where now there's maybe less of a reason for them to raise interest rates and they can get out of the way and allow the market to now make a, an evaluation based on economic conditions and can, uh, can earnings hold up and, uh, and so forth. So I don't know if there's an individual policy that I would be looking for from 
uh, let's say from, from Congress Mm -hmm. so much as respect the cycle of what has traditionally occurred in these third years. Yeah, the hardest part is the short-term noise, you know, like the battles for debt ceilings and battles for spending, those kind of battles that are very, very tough, that it's a hard thing to to hear the short-term noise and then have a long-term um, look to, for your finances because you worry in the short run because you're, you're watching things maybe too closely. What do you think about that? Uh, definitely. And uh, the political news flow continues to ramp up and up and, and, and up. Uh and I think it is a distraction in the sense that it doesn't help you make sound long-term investment decisions based right. on economic growth and technological advancements. I mean, a lot of changes in the economy happens because of innovation right. and technical technological change, not necessarily because a, a policy or a party kind of um, initiated that change, although that does have an impact. Uh, but I think a lot of the breakthroughs have actually come from uh, the private sector and businesses. And then everyone's adapting to that and embracing it and improving. So uh, uh, those are the things that we're on the lookout for, those opportunities from an investment standpoint. But from a political point, I might say that um, the U.S. dollar has rallied considerably. The U.S. dollar is a safe haven, and the dollar freely floats against other major currencies. Well, if you think about inflation, you say, well, my dollar is losing purchasing power relative right. to something. And so that could be a commodity, but it also could be relative to the euro. So it actually gained value. Your dollar gained value relative to the euro and relative to the yen and relative to the British pound. So uh, uh, the dollar actually is, uh, was so strong last year uh, that we think that that's going to actually come down and that's going to help financial assets overall because it was so strong. Right. Uh, and so, and part of that is maybe getting to the polit- tied to the back of the political issue, which is government spending and continued spending will effectively keep a little bit of pressure, downward pressure on uh, the U S dollar, which is one of the reasons why you'd say, well, you have to invest. It's kind of a, an encouragement to say you need to invest. The dollar will by policy, whether that's kind of uh, monetary policy, but definitely a fiscal policy where it should start to decline just because of our debt and deficits and, and spending. And a lot of it is mandatory spending uh, that's, that's not going away anytime soon, um, just, uh, just looking at demographics. So, so that, that I think that's one of the strongest reasons to keep an investment portfolio and keep kind of a long-term outlook saying, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm diversifying and adding potential value that right. an investment that will outpace inflation uh, over time. Even if it is a recession or not a recession? So this is a good debate. The This is the most anticipated recession in history. In other words, yeah. uh, uh, economic forecasters uh, now are almost consensus now expecting a recession. Uh, and the general thesis or the idea is, well, the Federal Reserve has to raise interest rates cause a recession, which is a decline in economic output or economic growth, to get a hold or bring down inflation. Well, uh, lo and behold, inflation looks like it's coming down, and there also doesn't look like there's a recession coming right now. So the markets were anticipating a recession to hit right about now and carry it through basically to the fourth quarter of 2023. Our position is that uh, we think the economy is not just going to roll over because uh, economists think it should. Uh, the economy is going to, you know, it's going to 
service the economy. What are, what's demand? What's the supply needs and so forth? And it, with unemployment so low, it's pretty hard to get a, a recession until unemployment jumps higher or much higher. Uh, and, and I think that that's actually going to say the economy can move along and the surprise is uh, we don't get a recession. Uh, and if we do, it's actually pushed out. It might not be till 2024. And by then, the markets are, have already discounted a recession, maybe way too early before the uh, recession actually comes. So by that time, the market might be expecting that, okay, well, the Federal Reserve will lower interest rates and uh, better times are ahead. So I, uh, so we, we generally think it's pushed out further than the market generally expects. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. The reason I say absolutely is that when I think about all the things going on and these different outlooks, and the reason we're doing this show called the 2023 Investment Outlook is that talk about the concerns, the noise, the information that's out there that causes us to be concerned about our money and then to take advantage of opportunities that are out there. Now, at Acres Financial Group, when we're talking about financial planning for you and your family, we're talking about your retirement years, where the, the biggest worry of each and every day would be where you're going to drink your morning cup of coffee. Or every day seems like a Saturday, free of stress. Your retirement income and investments are all taken care of by the team of advisors at Acres Financial Group. If this is the future you want, it's not too late. It's so easy to begin winning in retirement. Meet with one of our team of advisors, a free meeting with you, and, and, and talk about your retirement. And you can you know, go ahead and give us a call at 833-WIN-RETIRE. That's 833-W-I-N-R-E-T-I-R-E. We'll give you a call on Monday to schedule your free investment or Zoom meeting. Go to acresfinancialgroup.com or give us a call at 833-946-7384 to start planning for your retirement now. 2023 Opportunities and Stocks. We will discuss in two minutes when winning in retirement continues. And here we go. You're listening to a pre-recorded show. Welcome back to Winning in Retirement. Call 833-WIN-RETIRE now to schedule a visit with Brian and his team and begin winning in retirement. Once again, here's Brian Akers. Welcome back to Winning in Retirement. I'm Brian Akers, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner from Akers Financial Group. I've been working with financial planning with my clients since uh, the late 80s, so over 35 years. Now, as a financial advisor, we really want you to understand where we come from. And that begins with you. It begins with a talk with you about your situation. And I call that financial planning that guides the purpose behind any and all investments that we do. And the reason I want to bring that up is that when we have a show like today, a 2023 investment outlook, yes, the markets are out there, lots of information. But how do you apply that is based on you and your decisions, your purpose for money. What is right for you? What amount of risk is reasonable? And so as we talk to portfolio managers that we use, such as Mark Diorio, what happens is this. What sounds good? Does it fit your situation? Are we looking to be aggressive or moderate or low risk? What kind of money do we want to have invested with risk? Understand that these are all part of a financial planning process. So today's show, we have Mark Diorio, the Chief Investment Officer at Brookstone Capital Management out of Chicago. Um, Mark, I know you're a Bears fan, um, and I think you said Cubs fan years ago. Um, tell, tell me a little bit more about you, Mark. Well, definitely. So I've been, I live, I've lived uh, in the west suburb of Chicago all my life. And the firm Brookstone Capital Management is actually in the west uh, suburbs of Chicago as well. And actually there's a uh, city that we're in is a mini Wall Street. And by that, I mean, there's a number of firms located right 
right by us right. Uh, that have had some success. So it's kind of this cottage industry that developed in this, this area. Um, and so, I'm, uh, so I was lucky enough to um, get my MBA and then go on uh, to receive my charter financial analyst designation, a CFA designation, which is really about portfolio management, security yeah. selection, economic forecasting, quantitative analysis, and so forth. Uh, not to bore anybody, but that was really the kind of the, the stepping stones, if you will. And then spent a lot of time on research and, and that, uh, and, and so forth. And now I have three boys at home and, uh, growing and, um, uh, very challenging for my wife, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that, that's, uh, uh, you know, we're in, we're in high school, middle school and grade school right now. <laughs> nice. So you got all different stages. So you, you have to work and hustle hard, which is great. That's what we want. <laughs> All, right. All right. So we've been teasing the third quarter as some opportunities in stocks, opportunities in investing. I thought we'd talk this quarter about that is what happens is when you hear all this noise in the market and things are down, like in 2022, we had the Dow down around 10, uh, the S&P down 19.4 and the S- and the NASDAQ down like th- over 33%. When you see these downs and you have international and all the insecurity there, uh, where are these opportunities for investors right now? Well, heading into 2023, one of the first things I look at, and I know stocks always get the headlines, but I look at bonds and interest rates and what levels those are telling us uh, can give us a, an expectation of forward returns. What I mean by that is your starting interest rate is a good expectation for forward returns. And if you extend the time period even longer, it really gives you an accurate read of what your expected return will be. So when we had very low interest rates, your returns on bonds were very low. And I know we talked about it a lot, Ryan, uh, and about how you position the portfolio for low interest rates, but also some alternatives to augment that income when you build a portfolio. Well, we've been talking about this for a couple of years, saying that, well, your expectations for bonds has to adjust because of the low interest rates. You can't expect historical uh, returns on bonds. Uh, uh, now, we turn the page, and now there's some yield in bonds. You're at, let's say, in the ballpark, 4 to 5% in bonds. Uh, so now you have a coupon that's coming in or some interest coming in. And when you look at um, the expectation for bonds heading into 2023, if you increase interest rates, so bonds are inversely, the price of bonds are inversely related to interest rates. If you increase interest rates, bond prices decline and vice versa. So if interest rates go down, bond prices appreciate. So that kind of guides you in terms of your short-term expectation. Well, if interest rates rise 1% across the board, all else being equal, and we do this, it's called the rate shock, just to get an expectation. Well, uh, the aggregate bond index, just as a kind of a marking number, would decline about 2% for the year. But if rates decline 1% across the board, well, uh, the return for the aggregate bond index would be a little more than 10%. So you have this asymmetrical return profile, which you didn't have in 2022. Now you have in 2023. And that's how impactful um, uh, kind of that starting higher coupon could be. So I think bonds, uh, have a chance to bounce back here. You're, you're getting some yield. In addition, maybe a little bit of price appreciation as uh, as we move forward into 2023. Now, this also talks about stocks. Now, stocks had benefited from ultra-low interest rates, but interest rates overall are not high per se. They're just normalized for the current economic environment that we're in. And so I think, although they pose a challenge in 2022, 
uh, a pause in the interest rate rise. And as we mentioned uh, in the second quarter and uh, late in the first quarter, if inflation is coming down, then you don't really have that urgency to raise interest rates any further and the Federal Reserve can pause and then markets can kind of digest and adjust to the current interest rate environment. So I don't think they're hostile towards stocks. And coming into 2023, we use uh, Morningstar's estimate of fair value. And what they have is a number of fundamental analysts that estimate the fair value of stocks. And when you estimate a fair value, it doesn't mean stocks are undervalued and all of a sudden they're going to go higher. It just says, here's where you're at. You'll need a catalyst for it to turn around. And we didn't have that in 2022, but we could get it at some point in 2023. And, uh, and, and so we think a little bit of patience is warranted coming in to this year. Morningstar's estimate of fair value was about uh, 16 to 17% below fair value. So stocks broadly were selling are selling cheap. And so this makes it pretty interesting. Historically, when they've gotten to this level, it's just a little bit of patience and they find their way ultimately higher as the, the market battles, uh, the, the, the short-term challenges, but ultimately get there. So that looks like a pretty good risk-reward as well. So that's both stocks and bonds. And if you take it a little more granular, you mentioned international. International has underperformed the U.S. market for well, the better part of a decade. And now we think that that uh, it's selling so cheaply at this point, two standard deviations below it's kind of average relative valuation that there's can definitely be some catch up. And what would spur that is one, the dollar starting to depreciate a little bit. Remember that as I mentioned earlier that had real, the dollar had really rallied, but if it's coming down, that should help international markets. Uh, and also it looks like China has gone from a restrictive policy to uh, uh, now adjusting that and trying to stimulate parts of their economy. And so while we're not investing necessarily directly in China, that does have a big impact on European companies, emerging markets, uh, and across the board. It's just another engine coming back online. So um, well, we think those, those policies are adjustments. So there's a couple of things that might be falling into line to help international, along with just simply how cheap they are relative to the U.S. So international could provide uh, diversification benefits. And then a simple growth versus value, you mentioned technology or growth stocks in particular, but that's clearly led by the big technology stocks, really got hit hard in 2022, really declined and led the decline. Well, now they, they really look oversold relative to value or the overall market. So any positive catalyst could also see a little bit of a, a bump in those uh, as well. Yeah, when I when I listened to all that, I'm thinking about well, how should people invest? And the first thought I had was, well, in the stock market right now, what would be long term? What should be the expected hold if we enter into a market like this? Well, when it's down like this uh, versus a, a peak uh, or when it was you know hitting new all time highs, if you go back even to the global financial crisis, which we are not in. Uh, that was a, what they call a balance sheet crisis where companies have to sell off what they can to correct their balance sheet. And you also had uh, the failure of uh, Lehman Brothers bankruptcy and over leveraged banking system. Today, that is not the case. That was 2008, uh, fact, 2009. Yeah, correct. Um, banks are under leveraged uh, relative, especially the relative where they were, but uh, under leveraged in, in our in our estimation of where they've historically been at. But either way, so you don't have the global financial crisis. What you have 
is this supply-demand mismatch, this breakout in inflation post-COVID. Uh, so we have a number of kind of new uh, issues that the economy is facing, but now it's uh, adjusting to those realities. And I think uh, rather well, given all that it's, that it's been thrown uh, at it. Um, and so opportunities are starting to present uh, across the board, we think. Now, when we had the global financial crisis, the, the S&P, just to return back to where it was before the crisis, it took almost um, f- over four, almost four and a half years to get the S&P back to the same level. Um, the S&P um, currently has bounced back pretty fast. The NASDAQ um, has not. But the idea would be time, like the long-term um, idea and thought. I believe that I personally believe it's going to be a, a slower recovery coming back, but um, a lot like back in the 2009 to 2013 type of slow recovery on the way back up. So it, when you're looking at time, I, I would say three to five years is pretty comfortable given history. Now, we'd also like to think longer term than that, but since the market's already down, right? I think the recovery and then ultimately, you know, where you're seeing those gains um, come through. But when the market recovers and then hits new highs, at that point, it can keep going once it's coming out of that recovery. So it's not just a recovery back to those levels. Usually it'll be a recovery and then go beyond those levels. So when you have a, a bear market like, like we've had, sure. uh, it's usually deep enough to do some cleansing of the system. Uh, and kind of getting rid of the over-leveraged player and players. And you've seen that in the speculative excesses that have really been hit hard. Now, that happened, uh, that happened in 2000, 2002. Uh, for those that remember, there was a number of small internet companies that went public, but they weren't really companies. They were just kind of catching that wave, right. and they went out of business. But Amazon survived and obviously ultimately thrived. Uh, and then in uh, 2008, 2009, the global financial crisis, you had some of the, the lenders go out and the over-leveraged banks and uh, cleansing of, of that system. Uh, and now here's kind of been the same thing where you've seen some short bursts of speculative activity in 2020, 2021 with um, the liquidity injections. But that has kind of really reversed sharply here. And so I think uh, some of that has also uh, kind of been purged from the system, which allows it to uh, then regroup and, and move higher. But what, what are your thoughts on long term, Brian? Well, that's what I want to save is my thoughts to the fourth quarter because we're here at the end of the third quarter. And at Acres Financial Group, we want your, you to win in your retirement. And the best part of those retirement years is where you get your time back, where you decide how to use it. Before retirement, your time is tied up with other commitments, uh, you know, mainly your job. A lot of that goes away when you retire. Your time is now consumed by things that you want to do. It's so easy to begin winning in retirement. Go to our website at acresfinancialgroup.com. Scroll to schedule a meeting section and let us know you'd like to schedule your free consultation with one of our team of advisors. That's acresfinancialgroup.com. You can call us at 833-WIN-RETIRE. That's 833-W-I-N-R-E-T-I-R-E. We'll give you a call on Monday to schedule your free in-person or Zoom meeting. Go to acresfinancialgroup.com or just call us at 833-946-7384 to start planning for your retirement now. We're going to give you a little look behind the investment curtain for 2023. We're going to share with you some of the really important information in just two minutes. 
You're listening to a pre-recorded show. Welcome back to Winning in Retirement. Call 833-WIN-RETIRE now to schedule a visit with Brian and his team and begin winning in retirement. Once again, here's Brian Akers. Welcome to the fourth quarter of Winning in Retirement. I'm Brian Akers. I'm president and founder of Akers Financial Group. Here with me today is Mark DiOrio, Chief Investment Officer at Brookstone Capital Management. Brookstone Capital Management is a third-party money manager that we at Acres Financial Group use um, to basically put together different portfolios. We have different sleeves of investments, different styles that we match together, all in one account. Um, Mark DiOrio has been working in financial services for more than 20 years, and um, him and I have been working together for the last eight years as he joined Brookstone Capital Management. We welcome Mark DiOrio to the final quarter, the fourth quarter, the winning quarter of winning in retirement. Welcome, Mark. Hey, Brian. <laughs> All right. So, fourth quarter. Yeah, fourth quarter. Put the four fingers up. We're going in. Got to win. It's winning time. <laughs> the, uh, look behind the investment curtain. Um, so I'm not telling you to give us all your investment secrets, but let's just say that we're asking that question. What are, What's behind the investment curtain this year when it comes to um, um, portfolios, portfolio design, things like that? And then we're going to also try to talk about how, how we actually do it for clients with our um, portfolio design. Well, I'm going to start with a classic strategy that uh, we kind of put a, our own and a little bit of a modern spin on it, if you will. But uh, our um, dividend stock strategy, which focuses on high quality, above average, dividend paying and dividend growing stocks that are trading under our estimate of fair value. And so what we try to do is buy those stocks that are under trading under fair value that are giving us that dividend yield. So that so dividend is a uh, distribution from a company determined by the board of directors to the shareholders. It is not determined by the market. And so even if the market is bad, the dividend can keep going and then because the company may be doing well and the market just happens to be down or the stock price may happen to be down. But dividends in my opinion, and especially in retirement, really don't go out of favor, out of style. Um, uh, what they are is that distribution of cash flow, but it serves a real purpose. In other words, there's a number of growth or tech stocks where you can't, you don't get, you don't share in any of those profits. Where there's a number of good, solid, high quality blue chip stocks where they share a percent of the profits and kick them out as dividends to the shareholders. And uh, today, our, our, the dividend basket, you're seeing yields, starting yields in that 4 to 5% range, pretty attractive, um, uh, trading at really reasonable valuation. So you have the potential for price appreciation in the stock over time, plus current income in the dividend range. But what's also key, what sometimes people forget, is that dividends paid to shareholders can rise over time. In other words, if things are good, uh, you're not just getting the same amount of income uh, this year to the next year. The company may raise that dividend payment amount to shareholders. And so there's a number of companies that continue to raise that dividend at a rate faster than inflation. And so you're keeping up with inflation just on the income portion alone. Alternatively, there's also a nice chunk where you can reinvest. If you're not taking the income, for example, you can reinvest into the portfolio and really, so as you're reinvesting, because you've bought more shares, you're getting more, uh, the dividend next time you're getting is, is higher because uh, it's determined by uh, the number of shares you have. And so this can be a real benefit um, to clients, especially as you just 
are patient, you're collecting that current income, so you get um, multiple benefits on that strategy. I just think it plays such a key, key role in today's world. You know, bonds were high-quality bonds. We're in the 7 to 8% range. Okay, you know, that can produce, but that's not where they're at. They're in the 4 to 5% range, much better than where they have been. Uh, but with bonds, you don't get that rising income over time. And so, um, you know, in uh, a number of years, depending on how fast they raise the dividend, that dividend, uh, saying 10 years, has actually doubled the amount and, and keeps going and going higher. And so that's one of the benefits of building that strategy. And the, the reason we actively management and look at those stocks is that, you know, companies change, their relative value changes, the value proposition changes, uh, and some of them uh, actually uh, uh, go on hard times and can cut the dividend and and so forth. And so we monitor for that, and then we would remove those stocks if they, we thought they were at risk of cutting the dividend and finding uh, a suitable replacement when we can. Uh, but this one's, just, I just think, over the last several years uh, has really played a key role. And, and I know we've talked about it a lot, Brian. I know yeah. you've been uh, definitely a proponent of it and uh, with clients and uh, as a key part of portfolios and, and really delivering on the goal or winning in retirement, as you say. Yeah, the idea is that the dividends pay us when the market is volatile. We get paid to hold the stock, and then these quality companies don't go down as far. We don't lose as much. And when you don't lose as much in a down market, you also don't have to wait that three to four years to recover. So the opportunity of to get back to where you were happens a lot faster and in lower volatility. Now, the opportunities for a more moderate, aggressive, or, or aggressive client might be on the growth side. Definitely. When you have this big sell-off like this, and it, it, it can get scary at times, but a number of stocks decline more than the market averages. That's normal. And it doesn't necessarily mean these are bad stocks. It really just means that, okay, they've hit a challenging market environment. They sold off considerably. And when we look at the market today, there's really high-quality growth stocks, uh, both uh, large-cap and uh, kind of under-the-radar stocks as well, kind of emerging technologies that they're always more volatile, but they've been sold off so hard that you look at them and you say, geez, these are really beaten down because of the market environment. Their technologies are viable uh, or in the large cap space, they're still going to play a role. Uh, and without going into the individual names, you can think about the, uh, the main ones that come to mind with uh, um, that have just been hit so hard. They're trading well below their estimated fair value. So you have plenty of margin of safety. And so we're absolutely looking at those and looking at, at those. And then when you're building a portfolio, you know, it's not an all or none bet. You don't have to say, well, I'm all tech or growth stocks. What you can do is you have your core portfolio and we call it core plus satellite allocation design framework where you have kind of your core portfolio holdings that you're going to hold that'll get you through. And then you have these opportunistic positions that you can put in your satellite allocation to really complement that core holding based on uh, what the market provides at times. So that could be your augmenting income, or in this case, talking about uh, growth stocks, it could be, well, these are down so far. If we get a, a bit of a bump, they're going to come back and maybe have outsized returns if I have the right outlook and the patience to, to allow it to, to play out. So that, that, that would definitely be something both we're looking at and also how you position it into a portfolio. You just add it as a complement to your core holdings, for example. Absolutely. And then the idea of buying low is a modern day new concept, right? 
<laughs> well, the problem is nobody when it's when it's selling low, nobody wants to buy it. Yeah, <laughs> and so, and because the news is bad, and you can't see kind of past the headlines, if you will. But uh, you know, this happens time and time again, and, and uh, uh, I would say it's it's just a matter of kind of arbitraging that that time frame and where you went into at least having the proper frame of mind when you come to expectations in the, on the market, it just nothing turns around tomorrow, but it does ultimately um, kind of turn around if you're making sound decisions and then course correct along the way if something if new information comes to, to cause you to make that change. Absolutely. My most successful clients that have been in the market for 40 years or longer, when the market dips down, they're saying, do we have any cash? What can we buy? What's the right <laughs> thing to buy? Uh, versus a, a newer investor, a younger investor, which is they look at their one year 401k statement and they see that their contributions are missing because they went in, but the market was down more than what they put in. And so the idea is that they want to stop buying a market because they don't want to lose any more. And the idea is, well, we want to go buy on sale. That's a simple concept and how we have a mindset towards our stock investing. It has to tie into all the people's goals. Any final comments here, Mark? Yeah, I think there's a reason, as you said, with the Seinfeld comment, there's yeah. a reason to keep your head up. Uh, and, and we're definitely on that side uh, of the outlook this year. Absolutely. So that, that, that quote was from Jerry Seinfeld said, keep your head up in failure, your head down in success. Um, that's how we should try to keep our head up for 2023. Thank you, Mark Dorio, for a great show. Um, as we're closing out this show, we want to remind each and every one of you to go to our website at acres, A-K-E-R-S, financialgroup.com. When you go to that website, there's a radio tab, and on that radio tab is our history of radio shows. You can go there and listen to one of our older shows. You can listen to this show again um, in the future here once you um, have had a chance to take a look at the website. You can check out our company, Acres Financial Group, and our shows to hear where we come from when it comes to our advice. What we hope you hear is this. We believe in one client at a time. One client where we sit down and talk about your situation. Our team of advisors and the entire Acres financial team is built to provide the service that you've probably never seen before when it comes to helping you wherever you are in your life. This might be the most complex situation that you're facing, or it might be something as simple as um, how to buy a car or to downsize or to um, retire um, to a, a new location. All of these planning events come around how you invest your money. Today's show was called the 2023 Investment Outlook. We did a little look back to 2022, and we looked a little bit forward to the to 2023, and we talked about reasons to buy and some ideas to generally look at as you're t looking at your portfolio. Now, at Acres Financial Group, what we do is this. You meet with one of the team of advisors. Uh, they develop your planning and the investment purpose, and then we build the portfolio and the combination of different styles to build that core portfolio that fits you, and then we will look at adding satellite pieces that will add the amount, level of risk that's appropriate to your exact situation because we want you to win in your retirement. So take advantage of the opportunity to begin planning with us at Acres Financial Group. To schedule your free meeting with one of your our, our team of advisors, go to our website at acresfinancialgroup.com. Scroll to the schedule a meeting section and let us know you'd like to schedule your free meeting. That's acresfinancialgroup.com or you can give us a call at 833-WIN-RETIRE. That's 833-W-I-N-R-E-T-I-R-E. -E. We'll give you a call on Monday to schedule your free in-person or Zoom meeting with one of our team of advisors. Start planning for your retirement now. Go to acresfinancialgroup.com or call us 833-946-7384. 
Thank you for listening. I'm Brian Akers from Akers Financial Group, and we want you to be winning in retirement. You've been listening to Winning in Retirement with your host, Brian Akers of Akers Financial Group. Akers Financial Group offers securities through Arcadios Capital, an SIPC and FINRA member firm. Advisory services are provided through Arcadios Wealth. Akers Financial Group and Arcadios do not share any common ownership. Neither Arcadios nor Akers Financial Group provides tax or legal advice. Advice given on winning in retirement is general in nature, and one should seek further advice from their financial advisor, broker, attorney, and or tax accountant before investing. Be sure to read each prospectus carefully to understand all the risks associated with each investment. Examples and scenarios shared are meant to be for illustrative purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results.